Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning, before we proceed, just a matter that is all over the media, has been for the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, in October, at the intercession time here, there was a prophetic word that was released concerning what God was going to do in government and in our nation in terms of corruption. And uh, we are seeing that unfolding. And the question is, what is the approach and the attitude of the church in such times? The Word of God says in the book of Proverbs, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And so our time here is not to gloat and to jeer or to make fun of people and their demise, uh, that we will continue praying. I will maintain an attitude of grace, that will maintain an attitude of humility. Uh, we will continue to pray that the Lord will do what he needs to do. Amen? And so I want to encourage you as we go into the next week. It's a, it's a critical week. There are, there are winds of change that are blowing upon our nation. And uh, we need to be the watchmen on the wall who speak those things which God wants to bring into our nation. Amen. So let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that nothing catches you by surprise, Lord. You know the end from the beginning. And this morning we stand with joy in our hearts. We say with the psalmist, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help will come from the Lord who makes heaven and earth. And so, Father, we thank you that as a church we'll be known as those who speak life, those who speak encouragement, and those who know that God is able to bring glory out of every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As somebody here, it's like you are starting to lose your hearing. At the end of the service, just come and see us. I want to pray for you minister to you. Amen. There's someone else here. You're a, you're a father. You are contemplating leaving your family. Don't do it. Just come and see us. We will help you. Amen. Awesome. Um, when was it? On Friday? Friday had the privilege of, of officiating at a wedding. One of the, the guys from the, from the evening service decided to pop with the question, how old is Zinovan? 23? 24? Ask your neighbor, how old are you? Yeah. Especially if he's a man and a singer. How old are you? Can't wait till you are 64. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to recommend marriage highly at this point. Great joy. Amen. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> we are continuing with our series on nation building. We had uh, a couple of occasions um, in engaging nationally um, in, in our conference that we had on God and politics. That thing started to trend, and then the Council of Churches felt that this was an opportunity to really awaken the church and get involved in the discourse and the conversation about uh, government and politics. And at every occasion, we had to pronounce ourselves and say, we are not a political voice. As a church, we are not a political voice. We don't have a corporate 
allegiance towards any of the political parties. We have allegiance towards God's government, the King of Kings. And so every political party must, must be aware that there is a day when every man will give account. Yeah? And you can't say, no, the manifesto said that I must. Mm -mm. Every man must give account before God. Amen? And so on Wednesday we were here. There was a panel of politicians sharing on their manifesto questions coming to and fro. And this was organized by the Council of Churches. And today is actually marked as a national day of prayer. And we are prayerful and we are standing in the gap interceding for our nation. And so this morning we're going to share on principles of go governance. Godly principles for government. And this is important because of the fact that most of the time, nations are governed because of the ideas of a man. If someone is in power, they wake up that morning and there is some kind of philosophy that drives his life, he will bring it to the office. In the same way, if someone is converted in their hearts, they go from being an unbeliever, an ungodly man to a godly man. Those values should show up at the office. And so we are at the mercy of the most dominant thoughts in our nation. There was someone who said, give me the songs of a nation <laughs> and you can have their laws. Which means there are so many mediums through which philosophy is coming to us. We don't know that at the end when decisions are being made, certain laws are being passed, they are being made because of principles that are in the hearts of people. And so this morning we're going to touch on seven principles concerning governance. And these apply if you're in, in politics or government or if you're in business, or in any kind of organization. So God instituted government to ensure that there is no anarchy. Anarchy is disorder. The Word of God says God is a God of order. He's not an author of confusion. So anyone that pushes for anarchy is contrary to heaven. And so God institutes government... But government is a, is, it's like a fallen construct. Not because of the fact that the principles and the structures are not adequate, but because of the individuals <laughs> that have to execute it. And so we look here, Daniel, Daniel chapter 5, verse 22. The story here is Balthazar is the son of Nebuchadnezzar, so he succeeded Nebuchadnezzar. And what happened is, on the one night of drunkenness and pride, he decided to show how powerful he was, and he decided that all the articles that were taken during the exile of Israel, when they were taken by Babylon, from Israel into Babylon, what happened is, Certain articles from the temple were also taken. Goblets and, and cups made of gold and articles made of the most holiest things that are supposed to be used during the worship of Yahweh. 
And so what he does is he calls for those articles and says, we cannot just drink our wine from our, normal, <laughs> from our normal cups. Let's bring those holy, those holy items that we took from the temple. And as soon as they brought them in, they started pouring all their desecrations into it and drinking their drunkenness and filling themselves with all their debauchery. Immediately on the wall, a hand appeared. And it started to write on the wall. And everyone started to freak out. So on the wall, a hand started to write. Mene, mene. Tekel Ufarsin. And as people were starting to freak out, someone said, let's call Daniel. So Daniel comes and he begins to explain. O king, live forever. What's written there is that your days are numbered. You have been put on the scales by heaven and you have been found wanting. Today the kingdom is going to be ripped from your hands. And in all the explanation, the next empire was at the gates. And so this is what Daniel told Belshazzar. It says, but you, Belshazzar, his son, son of Nebuchadnezzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. This is not a story. It is history. Okay? So you need to calibrate your mind. We are reading history here. It's not just Bible story and encouragement. This actually happens where God is deposing kings, removing powers, and placing others in. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his, template, from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines Drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold and of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds his hand in his hand, your life, and all your ways. Tell your neighbor, do you honor? The God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Men must understand that they are tenants of this planet. They are tenants. Jesus tells the parable of a vineyard that he left with tenants. And what happened is, when it was time for harvest and the prophets were shared, he sent his servant to say, go and get my share. When the servant came there, they beat him and sent him off. The servant came back to the master, told him, no, they don't want to share it. He sent back another servant, they killed him. And then he thought, let me send my son. Maybe they will respect my son. When the son came on the scene, the wicked tenants saw the opportunity to kill the son so that they could be heirs or take over the farm. I'm not talking about land redistribution here. 
They killed the son. And Jesus asked, what shall the master do to those tenants? He destroyed them and he put the farm, the vineyard in the hand of other tenants. If you take government, if you take positions of power, you take it with a sense of honor and fear. Do not lay a hand on oppress those who are under your care. Don't just fire them left, right, and center. Power is not given to you for oppression. Power is given to you to lift them up. Now, if you work for someone and you're thinking, yeah, man, and you are a lazy servant, power is given to get rid of you. Tell your neighbor, hallelujah. <laughs> That's right. If you do not produce, if you do not work, you cannot eat. So principle number one, God delegates government to humans principally through self-government. So the, the first principle is that we assume that men will restrain themselves. And then governance is put in place for a society that restrains itself. How many of you have ever exceeded the speed limit? Raise your hands, we are in the presence. <laughs> That's right. So the government that was voted for instituted laws. And yet, there are men and women. Hallelujah. <laughs> who, after they watch their latest Fast and Furious episode, are on the Western Bypass. Right? So the assumption is that you will know how to make your bed, that government doesn't have to come to you and make a law that at, at 7.45 you must wake up, at, at 8 o'clock you, you, you must make your bed. Now maybe I used to be the cleanest city in, in Africa, is it? And then what happened? <laughs> Self-government failed. I don't know, I don't think we've got laws about trash, like Singapore. Yeah, there's no laws like trash and bubble gum, none of that. Singapore, you have that. Now, Rwanda, Kigali, has taken over. So the principle is that the people under government are self-restraining. Isaiah 9 verse 6 to 7 speaks about Jesus, the Messiah, and the fact that governance comes from him. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And it says, and to the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The prophecy of Daniel says that the last kingdom that will take over all kingdoms is the kingdom of Christ. We are talking about not just a spiritual kingdom, we are talking about the ultimate political kingdom. Jesus comes to establish a throne in Jerusalem. Maybe next year we'll have some time to go into eschatology and the end times and explain to you what the prophecies say about the return of the Messiah and the fact that he rules. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 speaks how God blessed them 
And God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the presumption there is that they are not to have dominion on people because people should govern themselves. Genesis 2 verse 15, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate or to tend and to keep it. So go back to the first slide. So the first principle is the God is the one that ultimately delegates government. If God has delegated to you governance and power, that means he does not stop at the delegation. After you have executed what you needed to do, you will now have to bring the books for accounting. It is negligent to delegate your authority to someone and not set a date when he must come and bring account of what he has done. It's called mismanagement. We have to be effective not only in giving power, but also in holding those in power to account. And obviously, every, every five years, we have our elections. That is a form of bringing accountability from the population to those who have received our mandate to say you've done well or you have not done well. Please step down. In fact, for those who are honorable, if they're in a place where they recognize that they are incapable of fulfilling the mandate that is giving, given into their hands, they should step down way before the five years have passed. Tell your neighbor, strength and honor. Yeah. That thing that's lacking on earth. That your word is your bond. That everyone can trust you. Number two, principle number two. Democratically elected leaders under a charter of liberties. We're saying that from the principles of the word of God, on the assumption that men are self-governed, they then elect leaders democratically, meaning by majority you choose by a vote that this or that person will represent you. Let's look here at Luke chapter 22, verse 25, it says, And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. So when you are elected by the people, it's not so that you can rule over them with an iron fist, but that you are chief servant to the best interests of the people. Exodus 18 verse 20, it says, And you will teach them the statutes and the laws and show them in the way in which they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the peoples able men, such as fear God, men of truth, Hating covetousness or greed. The Bible speaks about how the church was growing in the book of Acts. And some racism was starting to come up in the church because the parcels or the donations to the widows were going more to the Jewish widows or the 
Israelite widows than to the Hellenistic or the, the Greek or the non-Jew widows. So someone was in the procurement board of the church and they were allocating more resources <laughs> to their own tribe than to the mandate that they were given. There was corruption in the early church. And they came to the apostles and presented the matter and the apostles said this, choose among yourselves seven men who are full of wisdom, full of the spirit, and they will manage this thing so that we can focus on prayer and ministering the word. And so the people elected among, the, uh, among them were Philip, among them were Stephen, mighty guys that could have been apostles, but they went to do administration. And so we see this principle, and it is important in a context where there's this election that you notice who are the dominant voices that want to force the majority into a certain direction. You must recognize that you have an individual accountability for what happens around you. You can't just, you know, I remember, I don't know where I was sharing it, I remember seeing a video. This was happening, I think, somewhere in Asia. I think it was in China. And it was from a CCTV camera that was next to a busy intersection. What happened is someone was carrying their baby on the back of the, the motorcycle. And as they passed the intersection, the baby fell off. The person didn't notice and they continued driving. And then the traffic continued and so the baby was run over. Once. Twice. And other people, pedestrians, are walking past. <laughs> the assumption that they have in their mind is someone else quickly, quickly, quickly up that baby, I'm on my way to somewhere. Eight minutes later, someone stops and comes a bit closer. This is a baby. Now, how many of us do that? When things are happening around us, we are oblivious to it because it's all about me, myself, and I. My interests above all else. And so in the, in the time when leaders need to be appointed, one, we need to have the right caliber of leaders. If there are not enough good leaders eligible for vote or to be appointed as professionals, wherever your context why don't you volunteer? Ask your neighbor. Why don't you volunteer you? They are asking you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Politics is not for me. It is a dirty game. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then on the other side of the coin. Yeah. Why are the politicians? Why are the politicians? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell your neighbor. Do something. Yeah. Talk is cheap. Put up or shut down. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes when those kind of people come around you, you almost need to get a bit annoyed. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, 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 I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Now do something about it. No, I'm just here to share my heart so that we can pray about it. No. Don't share your heart and pray about it. Do something about it. 
Amen? Principle number three. Decentralized government with limited jurisdiction and powers. There's something called separation of powers. Especially in a constitutional democracy. And the reason why is because men become tyrants when they have absolute power. The saying goes, absolute, uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so it's always good to have checks and balances. If you are married, your spouse <laughs> is your check and balance. And so Exodus 18 verse 25 says, Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So that there is someone that is supervising the supervisor. That's why if you're a husband and you are not in a church, you don't like church because there they call you out for your lack of kindness at home or your lack of initiative to provide for your family. So I don't want to go to that church. You are like a man who has no master. He's a tyrant. You say, no, I'm with God. God speaks to me. God, God is the one that directs. Mm -mm 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 Your poor wife and children will suffer because of you. So every family, every instituted governance structure, every business needs to have accountability structures. You, some have said you only have the right to be in authority when you are under authority. Those who know to be, how to be under authority are those who know how to be in authority. Okay? Samuel, what happened is the people of Israel, they were different from the other nations in the promised land. And they would have prophets and judges leading them. Judges were like heroes. They you bring your case to them and they make a decision between the two of you. And what they would also do is when the enemy is at the gates, they would fight for you. People like Gideon, Jephthah, Samson. Some of you will say, how can I bring my matter to Samson? Samson has no sense. Those were the judges. Okay? And then after a time of the judges, the people said, Samuel... We want to be like the other nations. We also want a king. Give us a king. And then Samuel got sorely upset with the people. He went to God. And God said, why are you upset with the people? They are rejecting me, not you. Give them what they want. But remind them. Remind them that that king will take their sons and send them into battle. We'll take their daughters and give them off in marriages that they may not want. And that's the story that unfolds in Israel. 1 Samuel 8 verse 18. You will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. That we may also be like all the nations. And that our king may judge us 
and go, before, go out before us and fight our battles. And this is the, the weakness that people want to be like other nations. We also want to be like Norway, where they legalize this and that. We also want to be like Canada, where men are women and women are men. We also want to be etc. <laughs> when you get to the point where you are under siege and there's no food in the house and the enemy is at the gate and you are discussing with your spouse whether you need to conceive a child to eat them. This is what happened in Israel. Tell your neighbor, read your Bible. <laughs> It's not just PG-13. <laughs> yes. Principle number four. Administration of justice, protection of the innocent. Go back quickly. When it comes to the decentralization of government and power, it is important that at, at the grassroots, there where the people live, their, their leaders should be appointed there. It shouldn't all be driven from Rome. The principle of the, of the high priest is that he must be acquainted with the, with the weaknesses and the difficulties of the people. Otherwise, he doesn't qualify. Because you must have someone before God, before an authority, appealing for the rights of somebody that he lives with. Now you have people representing you. They've never seen the inside of your home. And then the limitation of powers. We've got three branches of government. The executive. The judiciary and the legislature the legislature make the laws they are elected from among the people yeah national assembly the judiciary hmm? they are the judges yeah they execute the law and the executive They execute. They cannot do things which has not been passed by the legislature. And when they've got a problem with the law, they don't take it to the legislature, they take it to the courts. That separation. It's very good if the people in that chair <laughs> are good. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what kind of structure of government you have. If there are evil people there, there will be evil being executed. Next one, we need to rush. Number four, administration of justice, protection of the innocent and punishment of the wicked. Romans 13 verse 1. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which is from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whosoever resists the authority... Resist the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works. Did you hear that? But to evil. If you do good, you have no fear of the arm of the law. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praises from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. 
But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger. All the Marvel guys. An avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And the presumption of the heroes and the avengers is that they are good in their hearts. And some of you are saying, yeah, but how can, what if the, the law is such that it's, it's uh, uh, immoral law or it's an evil law that destroys? We'll get to that. Right now in Namibia, as I see the law, maybe more recently something's coming in, but as I see the law, you can apply. You can institute without fear. Principle number five. Education, jobs, wealth creation, welfare. It's not meant to be the role of the state. Hmm. Some of you thought the government will be my mommy and my daddy. The government is not there to be your mommy. Tell your neighbor, the government is not your mommy. <laughs> Why is the government Why is the government? The government is not your mommy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Luke 20 verse 22. Is it lawful? So they're asking Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Caesar was the emperor of the Roman Empire under which Jesus comes in. And, and then it says, but he perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? Show me a denarius, a coin like that. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render or give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. The question should have followed, which things are God's? And Jesus would have said, whose image is on you. So we pay taxes to Caesar the same way that we give our hearts to God. Why do you pay taxes and you don't follow Jesus? You are meticulous with your taxes because you know that bill will come. <laughs> in June and the law will come after you and even Jesus will tell you pay your taxes another story is told of how Peter comes to Jesus and says the, the tax man is at the door should we pay taxes and tax collectors were hated in Israel because Jewish men were appointed to collect taxes from their brothers and sisters they will collect the tax and put a margin for the expenses Zacchaeus and, and Zacchaeus and associates. Zacchaeus and associates. All right? And so when it comes to education, whose mandate is education? Parents. But what's the problem? We are assuming that there's a family. If we start meddling between what is a man, what is a woman, can a man marry a man and a woman marry a woman, they cannot conceive. Out of that, there's no family. And out of that, there is no society. That's why it doesn't work. We were talking yesterday, no, day before, about the fact that there's this debate about abortion still. And the debate is always, what about the rights of the woman? Right? 
they are ignoring a silent voice that cannot speak for themselves. Yeah, but it, it, it's my body. I can do with my body what I want. Do with your body what you want before. And if you say, no, but it's a case of rape, it's a case of incest, those matters we will discuss one by one. But the push is not because everyone is having incest and rape. The push is because they are going to use it as contraception. And then, the voice of the mother is heard in the clinic. And the voice of a child is not. And who is going to speak for them except us? They say no, but we have to determine where life begins. Okay? Can the, can the government decide where life begins? I'm telling you, it's a slippery slope. Once government begins to define where life begins, what life is, they can define which tribes are alive and which tribes are not. It is the principle that drives genocide. And that is why we are seeing genocide here in the womb. And they say, no, but wait a minute. The medical, the medical um, community will decide where life begins. The medical community cannot decide where life begins. Life as a construct doesn't come from doctors. They have not been able to produce life without all the material that God has already. Only God. The, the word of God says that Jesus is, is the way, the truth. And the life, life comes from God. He defines it. He defines it. When we start, and this is what happened in, in Nazi Germany. They, they started calling the Jews different names. And you do that where? At the university. Get a PhD to redefine things. Then call them names. Once you call them names, the whole community, those who have PhDs or not, will all stand in line to be able to see the experiments that are done against these who are not actually human beings. What happened in Rwanda? When on the radio they started saying, these cockroaches, we need to exterminate these cockroaches. Eventually, killing your neighbor wasn't killing a, a human being, it was killing a cockroach. But before they could have in their hearts the desire to kill someone, they had to redefine what they were. Then what happened? They came into the legal offices, the, the legal faculties, and started redefining what this is in the womb of a mother. They said it is a fetus. It is part of the mother's body. Then it became so easy to destroy it. In New York right now, the laws have been passed for late-term abortion. If you deliver the baby... And the baby is still connected to the mother. The doctor can still hammer quickly there. What do you call that? It's murder. The truth has left the streets. We are redefining ourselves. And what is the result? Genocide. Genocide. Who knows one of those children would have been the one who brought the cure to cancer. One of those children would have been in our nation today and our country would not be where it is. In God's calendar, he always looks at the next generation as a blessing. On our podcast, we shared a message on this. 
go back. You, as a believer, you cannot be pro-choice. You cannot. You cannot. You have to be pro-life as a believer. And if you'd like, come and talk to me. My other job is I'm a lawyer. We'll have the debates. What is weird is on the other side, they presume the baby to be alive for the sake of inheritance. They, they've got this thing called the Nascituru's fiction. Whereas if you kill the mother, right, knowing that the child there is going to be the heir, right? In America, they say it's a double homicide. You kill two people. On the flip side, for the inheritance, you, wanted to, you knew you were number two, so you want to kill that child. It's not a real human being. But for the sake of inheritance law, they will deem the child to be alive so that it looks like you did something in order to get the inheritance. And for that reason, they will presume the child to be a child. But in all other cases, kill the child, man. It is evil. Give us the next two principles. Unlimited submission to government is not the teaching of the Bible. Luke 10, verse 10 and 11. Whatever city you enter, they do not receive you. Go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Acts 16, verse 37. Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now they put us out secretly. No, indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. What's happening here is the Apostle Paul and the disciples are preaching the gospel. You are a Christian in a nation where it's legal. What if you were a Christian in a nation where it's illegal? Would you still be a Christian? Yes. There are laws of men. But every law of man that is inconsistent with the law of God is no law at all. The way in which we do it is different. We don't burn government buildings and all of that. And number seven. Prophets and reformers have a vital role to play in government and society. Tell your neighbor, you are a prophet of God. The prophecy of Joel says, In the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They will speak on my behalf. Samuel started a school to train future social reformers. They called them the school of the prophets. Right? Nathan was a prophet when David took his friend's wife and then killed him in battle. Nathan the prophet came and spoke to the king and said what you did was not right. He called him to repentance. Esther turned the king away from wickedness and genocide. Deborah, a prophetess, ruled and judged Israel well. Nehemiah obtained the king's authority to rebuild the nation. Daniel was chief advisor to the king and an esteemed governor in a foreign country. As a believer in your professional space, you are a prophetic voice. Don't be silent. When they are making plans to destroy, to bring evil, say something. Because when that evil grows full-blown and it eventually reaches your house, no one will speak for you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
He was a preacher during the time of the Nazi Holocaust. And they were exterminating different groups of people in Germany. He was a preacher. Eventually he was arrested and killed because of his vocal opposition. He said silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. No, but I'm an introvert. Doesn't matter. Put aside your personality profile and say something. Speak. Matthew 5 verse 14 it says, let's read it together. One to go. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Wherever you are, if you're a leader, lead humbly, but lead in the presence of God. Let's stand. Wherever you are, I want you to just begin to thank God for our nation. Thank God if you're in a leadership position, begin to thank God for the delegated authority that is given to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, and I honor you, Lord, because of your mighty hand upon our nation. Thank you, Lord, because of grace that is upon leaders here this morning. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you this morning that your word does not return void. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, thank you, Lord, that we have light in the darkness from the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, that these principles will be burned on our hearts, Lord. And we'll be those who lead with mercy and justice. That will be those, Father God, who stand against evil. That will be those who are unafraid because God is with us, Lord. Father, I thank you that we will be those who, who people will pursue, not because of just our qualification, but because of our character and our integrity, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that the fear of God will begin to rise on our hearts, Lord God. That when we are dealing with matters concerning other people's lives, that we'll be stirred in our hearts that God's eyes are upon us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that there is no spirit of fear in us. You have given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, Lord God. Thank you that today you are inspiring men and women here, whether they be in government, whether they be leaders of the marketplace, in industry, Lord God, whether they be teachers, whether they, they be moms at home, dads at home, every sphere of society. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your wisdom and grace will lead every step of our way, Lord, that will make decisions aligned with your kingdom, Lord, that we will not be pulled aside by every kind of philosophy, but that we will honor you in everything that we do. We thank you and we bless you this morning. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands for the blessing. May God bless you, especially with wisdom. That people will say there's such wisdom upon them.
that wisdom which has riches in her right hand, long life in her left hand, will embrace you this week. That your children will be growing up in a home filled with wisdom. That Christ who has become wisdom to you will be manifested in your workplace, in every place where you find yourself. May you prosper in everything that you do and may you be protected. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.